Live from San Diego, California, we go live to the newsroom with your host for Nick's Nerd. Well, hello there, everyone. Today is March 22nd. It is a Wednesday. I'm your host, Nick. It is Nick's Nerd News, if you didn't already know that. Um, obviously, I mean, that's why you're here, right? <laughs> I don't, you know, I, I forget that you guys come here week after week. I almost uh, forget that you know it's me. <laughs> no, I kid, I kid. But it is episode 254. That's crazy, isn't it? Um, it's been a, it's been a good year, been a good year so far, uh, and, and movie season is back, let me tell you something, we should be getting back to back to back movie reviews over the next few weeks, because it's time to go to the movies again, but, you know what, we're gonna talk about Shazam, obviously, today, that was the hint for that, but, you know, we got some other fun news as well. Uh, before we get into that, as always, you know, if you guys are liking, sharing, subscribing, check out the social medias, check out the TikTok, all the fun stuff, right? Nickster News for social media, um, most of them, the Nick DeFalco for TikTok, hopefully you guys are checking that out. Um, of course, you are hopefully listening on some great platform that I decided to, to post this podcast on, you know, where... On all the major ones, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, and the like. And hopefully you guys are enjoying listening on those platforms. Let me know if you want me to add any more. I will do my best to get get the show on there. Of course, you can always listen in your browser as well at our website, nixnernews.com. But let's not waste any more time on the fundamentals because those are everywhere and i'm sure you wouldn't have found us without that but let's get into what we're really all here for and that is the nerd news of the week so let's get right into that video game news huh so in video game news game developers conferences this weekend we'll get to that in a bit but the big, a bigger, big story, I should say, is the CEO of Twitch has stepped down after 16 years at the company. Um, he's resigning effective immediately, essentially. In a Twitter thread, um, he has decided to step away after the birth, birth of his son. And uh, he said, quote, Twitch often feels to me like a child I've been raising as well. And while I will always want to be there if Twitch needs me, at 16 years old it feels to me that Twitch is ready to move out of the house and venture alone. So it is with my great poignancy that I share my decision to resign from Twitch as CEO, unquote. So, first off, who the fuck moves out at 16? Um, he went on to say, in October 26, 2006, we started working on live video for the internet. That became Twitch. More than 16 years later, I'm now a father and ready to move on to my next phase of life. I wrote a blog post, but the short version is, thank you so much to everyone who built this with me, quote-unquote Emmett Shear. 
Uh, Dan Clancy, who is the president of Twitch, has effectively taken over as CEO moving forward. Um, Shear will stay in an advisory role. Sounds like more like consultant, right? They make more money that way sometimes anyway. Um, Far Cry 5, Ubisoft has announced, is getting a fifth year, yes, it's been five years since Far Cry 5, a fifth year, 60 frames per second anniversary for next-gen consoles. I, I, don't, I don't know why, of all games to update, that's a weird one. Uh, Hyperkin has announced their new Xbox 360 remake controller named the Xenon. It will release on in June and is expected to cost $49.99. So if you remember, Hyperkin actually remade the Duke a few years ago and still sells it. Uh, a remake of the original Xbox controller. And now they're doing a 360. I wish they would do an, uh, an S, S controller for the original Xbox. But we're getting a new Xbox 360 controller that will work. On Xbox Series S, X, and I think Xbox One as well. Uh, so be on the lookout for that when it drops in June. As of right now, I think only the white has been announced. Um, no, PlayStation and Sony are not making a Superman game. The internet was a buzz with a filing. This is all because of the Microsoft Activision merger nonsense going on playing out in courts across the globe uh they there was a typo in which they were talking about a superman game being exclusive they were referring to marvel's spider-man on the playstation consoles not superman as much as we would all like to know about a superman game it is very likely that it would not be exclusive as Warner Brothers usually doesn't, Warner Brothers Interactive, I should say, usually doesn't make those types of deals. And James Gunn has already said moving forward, a lot of stuff is going to be more connective. Um, and I don't think they would make a Superman game now, especially with Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League on its way at some point this year. Um, OpenAI, the company behind ChatGPT and Dolly, has announced that their GPT-4 AI program was able to make a playable version of Pong in under a minute. Uh, um, that's insane. So, they released GPT-4, which is an AI, AI language model. And people have been putting it to use. So Pietro Chirano, who found out that a it created a Pong-like game. Um, and I guess he put a basic example using JavaScript with HTML5 Canvas API into, G, into GPT-4. And it built it. Um, it also made versions of Asteroids, Breakout, and a few others which is insane. Granted, those games are very simplistic in terms of programming and, and compared to newer games. Granted, those games were made almost 50 years ago. It makes sense that an AI could do something like it. Uh, Square Enix has come out and said that when Final Fantasy 16 releases this year, 
If you focus on the main story, you should finish it in about 35 hours. And if you plan on 100%ing the game, it should take about 70 to 80 hours combined for everything. Uh, Bella Ramsey has come out and said that The Last of Us Season 2 probably will be out within the next two years. Uh, obviously, the first season just recently ended. One of the most sex sexful, successful shows on HBO. And it's interesting now that all these shows are taking more than a year to, to produce second seasons or seasons in general. Uh, they're becoming more effects heavy and more post-production heavy. And I, I get it. Sci-fi shows and shows like that are, are kind of taking over the the medium, if you will. But I, I always thought when the volume came out, which a lot of companies are starting to use, uh, which is what Lucasfilm pioneered with the first with The Mandalorian, uh, that it was going to make production easier. I, I guess not so much. Um, I know they film a lot on location, though, with, uh, with The Last of Us. But then again, you have shows like Succession, who are coming out year after year, or traditional programs, because those are filmed on a set. Um, and not as effects post-production heavy. Um, a YouTuber has spent $22,000. Yes, you heard that correctly. $22,000 to purchase every Wii U and 3DS game on the Nintendo eShop before it shuts down at the end of this week. Uh, per Video Games Central, per Video Games Chronicle, um... The completionist and uh, said he it took him almost a year to get all DSiWare, Virtual Console, DLC, um, and everything to purchase 866 Wii U games and 1,547 3DS game purchases in total. Uh, a Wii U with three external hard drives and a 3DS with four micro SD cards. And he will be donating donating it to the Video Game History Foundation uh, so that they can be preserved uh, as the digital offerings, which will cease to exist on March 27th, later this month. I don't know why I said later this week. So he spent about $22,791, so about $23,000 actually. Um, he used 464 different eShop cards, and it was about 1.2 terabytes of Wii U games and 267 gigabytes of 3DS games, which, that's not a lot when you think about it. Um, some of these modern games <laughs> take up like 4 terabytes alone, and that's like 60 games. Granted, these are Nintendo games we're talking about. Uh, if you want to translate that into Nintendo bits or blocks, which is what they use, which is ridiculous... Uh, translates to 2,136,689 blocks, which is what Nintendo uses to measure their games. At least they did on the DS and Wii U. I don't remember what they use on the Switch, even though I play it more than... I never had a Wii U, and I only had a few games on DS. I don't remember. Um, I don't know what... Uh... Oh, wow. He had to buy 10 games at a time before it was forced to download them. Um, and you can't spend a certain amount every day. That's probably why it took him so long to do it. 
Wow. That's crazy, the rules that Nintendo game has. Um, yeah, you have until March 27th to buy any games you're looking to get uh, before they, those eShops shut down next week. Zack Snyder has announced that his film Rebel Moon, which is coming to Netflix, is getting a video game adaptation, and he says it's going to be an RPG of ridiculous, quote, unquote, ridiculous scale, whatever that means. Uh, He said, quote, I mean, the one thing that I'm really having a really good time with is, I don't even know if I'm supposed to talk about it, this RPG that we're doing that is just literally insane and so immersive and so intense and so huge. And like, we talked about how we would go do the same. And I was like, we should, we just said, let's go. I said, uh, quote unquote, this was on the Nerd Queens podcast. So, I don't, I don't know. That game is not going to come out in time for the, 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 the movie. Um, if you guys are not aware, Rebel Moon was actually pitched to Lucasfilm as a Star Wars film first. Um, but Lucasfilm said no. And he turned it into his own sci-fi project uh, that has become a Netflix exclusive. Uh, I don't know when that's supposed to come out, though. Phil Spencer has announced that Microsoft and Xbox plan to release some form of Xbox digital storefront on mobile phones in the coming years. Um, They want to do it in time for EU's Digital Markets Act, which is set to take place next March. Um, This was something that the European Union Parliament passed that requires Apple and Google to allow third-party storefronts on their platform. So that way they don't have essentially a, a, a duopoly over mobile store storefronts on phones. Um, speaking with the Financial Times, Phil said, quote, We want to be in a position to offer Xbox and content from both us and our third-party partners across any screen where somebody would want to play. Today, we can't do that on mobile devices, but we want to build towards a world that we think will be coming where those devices are opened up, quote-unquote. I think this is in reference, obviously, if they buy Activision Blizzard King, which I always leave out, but Activision Blizzard owns King, the makers of Candy Crush. Microsoft is mainly going after them for that, I think. And another part of this is if you ever wondered why you can't buy like Xbox games through the Xbox app anymore, which you used to be able to. This is part of that. Um, he went on to say as, as well, quote, the Digital Markets Act that's coming, those are the kind of things that we are planning for. I think it's a huge opportunity, unquote. So essentially, they're just planning ahead for the future and obviously hoping that they do get to purchase uh, Activision Blizzard King. So, how many of you have Netflix? How many of you know that Netflix does games? And Netflix has finally announced in a new press event the scope and future of their gaming endeavors, if you will. Um, Apparently, Netflix now has at least 70 different games in development, which is wild, uh, all with external partners. They already have 16 games in via Netflix's in-house studios. 
and about 40 of those games will be released before the end of this year. So, what, there's 55 games on Netflix's gaming platform already? Where? Where? I don't even know how to play these. Um, Monument Valley 1 and 2 are on there, are coming to Netflix sometime next year. Uh, Too Hot to Handle game is coming, along with the show. Um, Obviously, they have a deal with, with Ubisoft for games, but... I don't know. I don't know how to play their games. Um, uh, how does that work? Do you play it on Netflix? Um, <laughs> oh, I think I reported this. Less than one percent of Netflix subscribers were interacting with their gaming service, but they want to have the best gaming service for their subscribers. But they're facing a lot of a lot of competition there. We'll see what happens. Uh, Elden Ring has recently had its one-year anniversary, and to celebrate, Bandai Namco released a massive infographic with a lot of news. But one thing that stood out, players have died 9 billion times in Elden Ring since its launch last year. So, about 7 billion people on the planet, and... Not every single one of them are playing Elden Ring, which means people are dying in the hundreds of and thousands of times in their playthroughs of Elden Ring, which is a wild, wild stat to think about. Uh, Rare has also come out and let the community know that they have a roadmap and have planned out at least the next five years of Sea of Thieves. So if that's not a, a um, reassurance to Sea of Thieves fans, I'm not sure what is. And it's just showing a lot of support for Rare from Xbox and Microsoft in general. So from a game that people look down on to the fact that it's very heavily played regularly by many people and that it has another five-year plan just shows you the lasting legacy of rare games in general. Also, did you guys know that the uh, Diablo 4 beta was going on this weekend? I mean, I did. But the fact that I saw it so many times on Twitter and in other places just tells me that it is doing a lot better than people anticipated. And that it looks like it's going to avoid the rocky launch that Diablo 3 had um, however many years ago. A lot of people are comparing it as almost a direct sequel to Diablo 2. Yes, I know it's Diablo 4, but I I saw a lot of uh, uh, comparisons to Diablo 2, which many people consider to be, you know, in like the pantheon of gaming on, on, on gaming's... Mount Rushmore, essentially, right, is is Diablo 2. Diablo 2 will be mentioned a lot of times by many people, and it looks like Diablo 4 is earning the praise of many of those same people and winning over some of the doubters, um, especially regarding, you know, Blizzard and Activision's current uh, uh, situations and issues at, at the studios. And... It looks like they they have uh, assaged the fears 
of of many people and and uh, put to rest some worries that people have had. Blizzard has even come out and said, "Don't worry about the server issues at launch. This is just stuff for the beta. That's the whole point of the beta to find these things." So that way, when the game does launch, which I'm pretty sure later this year, it uh, some of those those issues should be uh, resolved and and not pertaining past the betas. And you know, speaking of Activision Blizzard, and obviously the Microsoft uh, attempted acquisition of them that is ongoing. Uh, last week we re- reported about how Sony was worried that, you know, Microsoft might try to sabotage PlayStation versions of Call of Duty. Well, Microsoft has hit back on that. And I guess uh, in a submission to the UK's CMA, the Competition Markets Authority, Microsoft has said um, that, quote, as Microsoft will be shipping COD on PlayStation in compliance with its remedy commitments... Microsoft will have every incentive to develop games with optimized support for PS5 features, such as haptics and future consoles, in order to maximize sales on the platform. Uh, Microsoft considers that a period of 10 years is sufficient for Sony as a leading publisher and console platform to develop alternatives to Call of Duty. Um, Unquote. Uh, I guess they went on to say, like, obviously, they don't want to hurt their sales. They're not going to be making a inferior version of the game um also i guess uh, i saw this via jez corden who works for windows central he saw there was a redacted statement in terms of concessions that sony was asking for from microsoft and it mentioned the psvr so he's speculating i I don't know obviously we don't know the truth because it was redacted um he is speculating that maybe sony is asking for uh, Microsoft to support PSVR 2 in some capacity. Now, Microsoft has uh, tended to shy away from the virtual reality segment uh, in terms of gaming. As of late, Sony has obviously gone full force. Microsoft had the HoloLens, which I don't know which is more of an augmented reality, and they've shifted that to be more enterprise than anything, enterprise-focused. Um they obviously work, they don't have it, they don't support Oculus, they don't support uh, the Valve headset that I can't remember the name of right now, the, or the HTC Vive or anything like that. Obviously those all work with PCs and, you know, technically Xbox games on PC, but it, it's not the same as like what PSVR or PSVR 2 does where it hooks directly to the, the PlayStation console and has games that directly correlate to PlayStation exclusives. Now, I don't know what that means in terms of PSVR 2, but obviously, again, this is all speculation, but who knows what it it could mean or potentially be in the future. Uh, EA has announced that, uh, as we move from one giant publisher to the next, EA has announced that several of their games will be delisted uh, starting in April, so... That includes Battlefield 1943, Battlefield Built Bad Company 1 and 2, uh, will be removed from all digital storefronts on April 28th. So, this is ahead of, they're shutting down online services for all those games on December 8th, later this year. 
Um, I guess it's just those Battlefield games. Not sure what else. Obviously, all these games are over 10 years old at this point. So, it'll be interesting um, what happens with all that. I think that was a typo in that article I was reading. None of those games came out on the PlayStation 4. Um, Netflix has announced that its Gears of War movie has found a writer in John Spates. Uh, that name probably isn't familiar to you, but you've probably seen quite a few movies written by him. So just to name a few movies written by him, and he's got a great pedigree. The Darkest Hour, which I don't think I've seen. Prometheus, which I very much like. Uh, Prometheus being, of course, the Ridley Scott film that's technically a prequel to Alien. He wrote the first Doctor Strange movie. He wrote the movie Passengers that stars Chris Pratt and uh, Jennifer Lawrence. He wrote the story for The Mummy, the, 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 the um, Tom Cruise one. So he didn't really write it. He just came up with the story. But he wrote Dune and the upcoming Dune Part 2. So... This is someone who knows sci-fi, and it looks like he is going to be um, doing very well for him. This is a great pick for Netflix to write the Gears of War movie. He has a good pedigree of science fiction, and I think he'll kill it. Uh, Tony Todd, who many people know as the original Candyman in the Candyman movies, um, He's also been in a slew of different movies and films over the years, voicing different characters. Well, it turns out he'll be voicing a character in Marvel's Spider-Man 2, expected out on the PS5 this year. Uh, and he was hinting at a possible September release and a large, um, I guess, uh, uh, media blitz to start in August this year. September's an interesting time because Starfield just got announced for September. So two big heavy hitter exclusive games dropping in the same month. Uh, one on PlayStation 5, one on Xbox, of course. Uh, Valve today, in a surprise announcement, announced Counter-Strike 2. Uh, yes, Counter-Strike 2 is real. It's coming this summer, of all things. And will actually be a free update to all owners of Counter-Strike GO. All equipment and weapons and everything will move forward into Counter-Strike 2. Uh, it comes with improved assets, new maps, uh, new, new um, I, I guess, new skin on all the maps and features and everything. They, they bumped everything up. Uh, they're, they're really touting their new smoke grenades that are very realistic. Um, but yes, Counter-Strike 2 is real, and it's coming this year, uh, and it's a free upgrade to everyone who owns Counter-Strike Go, and um, I don't know what it will, they didn't announce a price or anything for anyone new to the franchise. Is Counter-Strike free to play? I don't even know. I've never really played. So let me open up my Steam, and let's take a look. Okay, found out why I couldn't find it. My preferences were all jacked up. Counter-Strike Go, CSGO came out in 2012, right? So it's been over 10 years. Uh, it is free to play, and it will be a free update to Counter-Strike 2. 
just so you guys are aware. Um, how about this? GameStop has announced it had its first profitable quarter in almost two years. It is back in the green. It reported a profit of $48.2 million in the fourth quarter of fiscal year that ended January 28th. So that is fiscal year 2023, and which is wild. First profitable quarter in two years. Net income, like I said, of $48.2 million, and it, uh, a, a very big improvement over the net loss of $147.5 million last year. Uh, but things still aren't looking good for the company. Sales dipped to $2.26 billion from $2.25 billion, and uh, in the fourth quarter, a decrease in net sales at $5.97 billion, down from $6.01 billion. Not a huge loss, but it still is. And drop in inventory from $6.82 million uh, from $9.15. That's a big drop. But they do have $1.39 billion in cash and cash equivalents, which is an increase over $1.27 billion last year. So they're not as bad. They're not doing as bad, but they're not doing great either, it looks like it. But, hey, they're doing well. Um, before we get into the state of Unreal, which is a, a something Epic did on Unreal Engine 5 at, at Game Developers Conference, Ubisoft has announced a new AI writing tool um, that I've seen some interesting pushbacks to. I don't see how it's necessarily a positive. Uh, I agree with the people that are pushing back on it. Um, it, is, it is a new AI script writing tool called Ghostwriter. And via a blog post by Ubisoft, it says, quote, Rather than writing first draft versions themselves, Ghostwriter lets script writers select and polish samples generated for NPCs. Um, quote, unquote. And it's, uh, they want to stress that it's not replacing video game writers, but it will help them save time by writing NPC dialogue. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing or just some gobbledygook to save time and money on things. I don't necessarily agree with this move from Ubisoft. Um, we'll see, though, if it how it works in future games, obviously. Uh, I do want to talk about, though, the state of Unreal. So Game Developers Conference is a trade show, essentially, for game developers that takes place every March in San Francisco. Uh, Epic Games, who owns the Unreal Engine, uh, showed off a lot of new Unreal Engine 5 stuff, um, some tech demos, things like that, including a new Unreal editor for Fortnite, which actually looks really cool. Uh, MetaHuman Animator, which I think is going to be a game-changer, no pun intended. You could essentially film someone's face on a, a cell phone and within minutes get almost a perfect 3D rendering of it or use it as face facial capture data for other models in-game. It's amazing what they did. And they showed it off uh, for uh, Senua's Sacrifice 2, which I didn't even know I was looking at a, a computer-generated image for a while. I thought it was a real person. Um, 
There's new updates in Unreal Engine 5.2, including uh, procedurally generated maps and things like that. And they showed off a video with like a Rivian truck driving through a forest. Again, it looked nearly fucking real. The, the, the Uncanny Valley is there, but not to the same degree. Um, and they've also announced new unified digital asset storefront for developers and, and creators alike in their, uh, I, Unreal Engine 5 is, is, is literally going to change the video game industry for the better. And I, I, I don't like using the word game changer because it's literally just making games, but it can be used in, in Hollywood. It can be used for game cinematics. Obviously, not every game is going to be able to take the full advantage of Unreal Engine 5, right? The things they are showing off are in like RTX 4090s TIs and things like that. But if used properly in other games and things, it, it will make games look amazing. Uh, some games already are, but what this can do for other things is, is top, top notch, off the charts... I cannot wait to see how it all plays out and what, what games will look like ultimately. Because if Senua's Sacrifice looks anything like that, whoa. And uh, before I head over into the TV world, I, I do want to talk about if you've been playing Destiny 2, I'm sure you're aware of the news. Um, but many people have been holding vigil around Commander, Commander Zavala um, because of Lance Reddick. And, and we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, I didn't know where to put that story, um, but we'll we'll talk about Lance Reddick in 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 just a little bit. Let's uh, let's on, head on over to Hollywood, shall we? For TV news first. Okay, what's going on in the TV world, huh? Well, uh, rumors are swirling, and I I know I don't always talk about rumors or speculation or things like that, but rumors are swirling that while Disney or while Marvel is currently filming Agatha uh, Coven of Chaos, the spinoff to the WandaVision show, uh, there is now speculation and rumors that uh, they are also filming a Mephisto special uh, with apparently Sasha Baron Cohen starring as Mephisto um, to essentially uh, take place alongside of Agatha, lead into Mephisto, of course, being involved in the MCU moving forward and things like that. Uh, but this is still unconfirmed, um, or he just might be filming scenes for Agatha, Coven of Chaos. Who knows? I don't. Um, speaking of Disney+, Plus, uh, Willow, as we reported last week, has not been canceled. Uh, Lawrence Kasdan, uh, not Lawrence Kasdan, who's writing Willow? Um... The he's the son of Lawrence Kasdan, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Jonathan Kasdan, yes, that's right. I knew that. Um, has said that no, it it's not canceled. It's just they haven't written a second season yet. They don't know what's going to go on with it. Um, so it 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 it's going to be interesting to see how that moves forward obviously uh it's not canceled it's just on hold essentially is what what i'm hearing um so honestly that's fine with me 
I didn't watch the first season anyway. Um, some new casting news has been announced for the Rings of Power Season 2. Uh, Sirian, Sirian Hines of Game of Thrones fame, of course, uh, has joined the cast of the Rings of Power Season 2. As has Roy, Rory Kinnear, who you might recognize from the last few James Bond films. Uh, he's also joined Season 2 of Rings of Power. And in my absolute favorite news of the week, uh, Kenan Thompson and Kel Mitchell uh, of Kenan and Kel fame were on Jimmy Fallon last week with a major announcement. Welcome to Good Burger, home of the Good Burger. Can I take your order? Yes, it's true that I'm a dude, you're a dude, she's a dude, he's a dude, we're all dudes. Because Good Burger 2 has officially been announced for Paramount Plus dropping this year. Uh, production is expected to start soon. Keenan and Kel are returning. Uh, no word yet on who else might be showing up in the film or, or anything like that. But Good Burger 2 is on the way. And uh, I'm really excited to have Ed back. And maybe uh, we'll see what's happened with Ed in his new empire. Obviously, he didn't go in the grinder, uh, but some other people might might have. How are they going to outdo Mondo Burger? That's my question. Um, <laughs> but Good Burger 2, I can't wait. Uh, we have learned as well, fresh off their Oscar win, the Daniels will be directing an episode of Star Wars' The Skeleton Crew over on Disney+. Plus. Uh, that is the show, of course, starring Jude Law. Uh, and that's expected to, to premiere sometime this year, actually. It's currently in production. Um, we've now learned, uh, as of today, uh, Justin Roiland, uh, the cases against him have been dropped by the... Um, Orange County DA, uh, these were the domestic violence charges that were filed against him. They've been dismissed. The case has been dismissed by the Orange County District Attorney uh, saying, quote, We do not have sufficient evidence to prove the case beyond reasonable doubt. Additional information that came to light during the investigation, unquote, has also uh, led to the dismissal of the case. Uh, Justin Roiland followed up with, uh, or Justin Roiland's attorney followed up with, quote, I commend the Orange County District Attorney's Office for conducting a thorough review of the facts and deciding to dismiss the case against Justin. I'm thankfully, I'm thankful justice has prevailed, quote unquote. Uh, Justin Roiland actually tweeted, quote, I've always known that these claims were false and I never had any doubt this day would come. I'm thankful that this case has been dismissed, but at the same time, I'm still deeply shaken by the horrible lies that were reported about me during this process. Most of all, I'm disappointed that so many people were so quick to judge without knowing the facts based solely on the work of an embittered ex trying to bypass due process and have me canceled. That it may have succeeded even partially is shameful. However, now that the legal case has ended, I'm determined to move forward and focus both on my creative projects and restoring my good name. Quote unquote. So, look, He's already 
pleaded guilty, from my understanding, to some domestic violence charges. And that was last year. Uh, I, I may be wrong. He may have pleaded not guilty. I'm not entirely sure. There, there's been a lot of misreporting on, on it. Uh, what I do believe, though, is the reporting that came out earlier this year that most of the people behind his shows that he's on have not really been involved. He hasn't really been as involved as we all might believe. Now, that is, those stories are a little more believable than maybe these accusations. Again, they were accusations. The case was dismissed. I'm not going to argue what's true, what isn't in regards to that portion. But what I do believe is that he was kind of phoning it in lately. Um, obviously that could be true because he, it seems like he might be stretched very thin as of late in terms of that, the legal cases, the multiple projects he's been working on. I mean, we've seen it with Seth MacFarlane too. Seth MacFarlane was working on so many different things. He couldn't give his all, his, all of his creative juices to one project over the other. Um, now do I think that Adult Swim and then we'll rehire him to voice Rick and Morty? Probably not. Um, do I see him coming back for some other projects? Probably not. So we'll see, though, what happens ultimately uh, with, with, with that, I guess you could say. Um, Netflix has released a new trailer for its Mighty Morphin Power Rangers special, uh, which is going to be called... Um, what what are they calling it? I was just watching it again. Um, Once and Always. Power Rangers Once and Always. And it features the return of several of the original cast. It seems to be explaining the reason how Rita Repulsa is back. And it looks like they're going to explain why Trini isn't around. Which is interesting because the actress who played Trini died um, many, many years ago actually so it, it it's really weird though seeing a green ranger outfit knowing that um jason david frank did not participate so someone is playing tommy in this movie uh, but it looks like they got as much of the original cast as possible um at least from what i could see they got jason lee scott to come back uh or sorry that's, those are the five teens. Um, <laughs> I almost gave you the wrong names. It looks like they got Austin St. John to come back. They got... Um, what's that guy's name? Walter Jones to come back as Zach. They got... Um, uh, David Yost to come back as Billy. So we'll see, though, what happens... And how they explain everything in this in this movie, and what characters are there and what characters are not there. It looks like they're having some of them be involved with each other, which again, not a problem. Um, but we'll see though how it all plays out. There was 145 episodes of the original Power Ranger, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. They got some other people back, too. Um, it looked like Johnny Young Bosch was in it. It looked like they got Karen Ashley back. Uh, and some other... Catherine Sunderland is back, from what I saw. 
I don't know if Bulk and Skull will be back though. That's a that's a that's a bigger question I have. Um, I don't know how this is going to work, but they did get Roger Bart back to voice um, to voice. Uh, uh, why can't I say his freaking Alpha Five? Uh, or Stephen Horvitz. Why did I say Roger Bart? They do sound very alike. Um, so that, <laughs> that makes sense. So I, though, cannot wait to see how this all plays out. Um, because it, it is technically going to be a sequel um, to... Uh, where is it? Once and Always. That is not on here. Um, but yes, Catherine Sutherland... Who's an Australian actress? They got a lot of Australians on there. Um, let me see how this is going to play out. Give me one sec. But yeah, it, there's quite a bit of people returning. Obviously, they're not going to play their entire hand. The original Zords are back. It looks like it's a direct sequel to Mighty Morphin uh, and ties. There are hints to other Ranger teams and things like that. So check out the trailer. Um, and I do want to talk about reviews of some shows before we move over to, to, to regular Hollywood and movies. Uh, so Picard, Star Trek Picard season three in full swing last week, the ante was upped as we learn more about the, uh, changeling conspiracy within Starfleet and the return of a legacy character, not one of the main cast, but a Important character nonetheless in Star Trek, and that was the return of Ro Laren. Yes, Michelle Forbes returned to the role of Ro Laren almost 30 years after she was last seen on screen in The Next Generation. Um, it looks like the Changelings have invaded more of Starfleet than I think anyone realized. And they, unfortunately, we see the end of Ro Laren, which is very, very unfortunate. Uh, we get more of Rafi and Worf, and it looks like they'll be teaming up with Jean-Luc and Riker and Dr. Crusher this week. So the cast is coming together, and it looks like Jordy will finally get Jordy in this week's episode as well, as the crew of the Titan, uh, begrudgingly captained by Captain Shaw, heads to the Daystrom Institute, and the... the I fully expect either Lore or Moriarty to show up this week at the Daystrom Institute. Like I, there's no reason that they won't be. In in my opinion, if Jordy's back, then we're definitely getting Lore and at or probably Moriarty as well. Uh, they've been teased all year long, essentially. Do I think we're going to get more character introduction or reintroductions? Probably. Uh, I am really banking on a Doctor Bashir cameo there's no reason he shouldn't show up because this is he would be the doctor the most proficient doctor in starfleet in regards to changelings and changeling physiology so there's no reason to not either give a shout out or have alexander siddig show up um, or hopefully maybe this leads into a, a ds9 style revival show Considering it looks like the Dominion War is being reignited. Um, 
Now I do want to switch over to the other universe in the stars, Star Wars, The Bad Batch. This was one of the best episodes, period, of the show. Things are very much heating up for both Clone Force 99 and Clone uh, Clone Soldiers in general, as it, it's, it's becoming more and more obvious that the Empire is trying to uh, make the galaxy forget the clones existed. Uh, and, and using them for their nefarious plots moving forward. And of course this ties in partly too with with The Mandalorian and, and Dr. Pershing. Um, the Bad Batch though. What's going on with Crosshairs is great. Uh, seeing it, it didn't look like, I don't think it was Rex. But it was obviously Greg, Gregor and, and uh, uh, Echo that were on a mission. And them rescuing some other clones was great to see as well. Uh, moving over to the Mandalorian, though. Uh, a bit of a short episode. And it looks like uh, this was more heavily focused on Mando and Bo-Katan and Grogu being back with the uh, the Watch. The, their covert, as it's being called. And Grogu seems to be learning more of the ways of the, Man of the Mandalore. Uh, this is the way. Bo-Katan seems to be... Diving headfirst into that cult, though. She's going deeper and deeper. However, she earns their trust on their hunt uh, for those creatures uh, to rescue Paz Vizla's son. Uh, and uh, it looks like... First off, this is a slow-moving season. Like, especially because we all thought they were going to get to the Living Waters like midway and it only happened in the second episode. I... I, I <laughs> There's a lot that needs to happen in the Mando because I don't know what pace they're moving at and the, the episode lengths have been all over the place. It was a fun episode, but it was it felt like a side story. So hopefully we'll get a payoff soon. I'm, I'm hoping next week, but I don't know. That's it for television. Not a whole lot in TV world this week. Let's head on over and see what's going on on the other side of Hollywood when it comes to film production. So, movie world, shall we? Ben Affleck uh, got candid with The Hollywood Reporter, and he opened up about uh, his role in The Flash. Apparently, he's only going to be in The Flash for five minutes, according to him. I don't know how true that is, but we'll see what happens. Uh, but the big story making the rounds, and everyone thinks that it's him. He never wants to work with DC again, is essentially what he said. I'm reading this more as he doesn't want to do a superhero movie. But he said, quote, I would not direct something for the gun DC. Absolutely not. I have nothing against James Gunn. Nice guy. Sure, he's going to do a great job. I just wouldn't want to go in and direct in a way they're doing that. I'm not interested in that. You could teach a seminar on all the reasons why this is how not to do it. Raging from production to bad decisions to horrible personal tra tragedy and just ending with the most monstrous taste in my mouth. The genius and the silver lining is that Zack Snyder eventually went to AT&T and was like, Look, I can get you four hours of content. And it's principally just all the slow motion that he shot back in black and white. And one day of shooting with me and him. He was like, do you want to come shoot in my backyard? I was like, I think there are unions, Zach. 
I think we have to make a deal. But I went and did it. Unquote. Um, so this is all in relation to Justice League. Like, because of what happened on Justice League, he doesn't want to make, like, a superhero movie or a studio movie like that. And that's why he created his new production company with, with Matt Damon, his friend, of course. Um, this is, I don't think, this me, I don't think he would make a movie for Marvel either. Um, he went on to, quote, say, all of a sudden I was getting congratulated for the bomb I'm in. But I was going to direct a Batman, and Justice League made me go, I'm out. I never want to do any of this again. I'm not suited. That was the worst experience I've ever seen in a business, which is full of some shitty experiences. You want to go and work and find something interesting to hang on to, rather than just wearing a rubber suit, and most of it you're just standing against the computer screen going, if this nuclear waste gets loose, well, that's fine. I don't condescend to do to that or put it down. But I got to a point where I found it creatively not satisfying. Also, just, you're sweaty and exhausted, and I thought, I don't want to participate in this in any way, and I don't want to squander any more of my life, of which I have a limited amount, unquote. So see, when you read his whole quote in context, you understand it's not just DC, it's like superhero movies and movies like that in general, right? And everyone's like, oh, he hates DC, blah, 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 no. He doesn't want to do that anymore, and the experiences on Justice League, which everything I've heard now has turned into a major shit show, I get it. I understand where he's coming from completely, and like I have no ill will against him for that. Like He's not shitting on it. He's shitting on the process, but he still wanted to help Zack finish Justice League. Obviously, he came back for The Flash and Aquaman, so we'll see what happens. Uh, we've learned that Barry Keegan is in talks to join Gladiator 2, as is Denzel Washington, uh, as Ridley Scott moves forward on his sequel. Um, going back to DC, David Ayer's Suicide Squad, we're learning, was supposed to have more ties to Justice League than previously thought. In On Twitter, David Ayer was... Um, was being asked questions, and he said, quote, the script issue was having Steppenwolf and the Parademons stripped out prior to production. Enchantress was under the control of a mother box and opening a portal to Apocalypse, unquote. So it looks like that was supposed to have a much bigger tie-in to Justice League. It sucks because that that's not happening, uh, or that didn't happen, and it ultimately hurt the film, and the film which was had other issues. There's a reason people want an air cut, which probably won't ever happen now. Um, but I think if that had been the case, I, I think people wouldn't have hated it as much. Uh, her being under the in influence of a mother box would have made a lot more sense to the universe, uh, and would have been a little more connective. Um, Obviously, there are connections, of course, to James Gunn's The Suicide Squad, and I, I know Will Smith was supposed to be in The Suicide Squad, and he couldn't for contractual reasons or something, and that's why they brought in Idris, but yeah, I, I really want to see what that movie would have been, though, for sure. And now I have some sad news, uh, and this re relates back to our Destiny 2 comment earlier. Uh, Lance Reddick, who famously... Played Commander Zavala in Destiny 2. He plays uh, Silence in um, Horizon Zero Dawn franchise. He plays Karan in John Wick, which 
will be his last film that comes out next uh, next week, uh, has passed away. Um, he's also famous for The Wire and a lot of other things. And uh, it sucks because he's a great actor. I literally will watch or play things just because he's in them. Um, uh, John uh, uh, Keanu Reeves and Chad Stileski released a joint statement saying... Quote, we are deeply saddened and heartbroken at the loss of our beloved friend and colleague, Lance Reddick. He was the consummate professional and a joy to work with. Our love and prayers are with his wife, Stephanie, his children, family, and friends. We dedicate the film to his loving memory. We'll miss him dearly, unquote. Um, obviously, you know, John Wick 4 will be dedicated to him. Uh, we found out he was actually playing Destiny 2 because he loved playing the game as well uh, the day before he passed. Um, he was also famous for playing Cedric Daniels on The Wire. Um, Wendell Pierce quote, uh, tweeted out, quote, a man of great strength and grace, as talented a musician as he was an actor, the epitome of class, sudden, unexpected, sharp, painful grief for artistic family, an unimaginable suffering for his personal family and loved ones. Godspeed, my friend, you made your mark here, RIP, unquote. Uh, Wendell Pierce, of course, starred with him on The Wire. Um, Ben Stiller made a comment because he starred in a play with his mother, um, Jared Harris, who worked with him on Fringe, and video game industry has done a lot. Of course, players were giving, holding vigils for him surrounding Commander Zavala in the tower. Uh, he was, of course, in Horizon Forbidden, Horizon Zero Dawn and Horizon Forbidden West. Uh, he was in Quantum Break, where he did both in-game and live-action. Um, and, uh, Pete Parsons of, of Bungie said, quote, folks who work on Bungie's destiny also shared their love for Reddick today with Bungie CEO are saying, quote, Pete Parsons said, quote, we lost, uh, we just lost a beautiful human, unquote. Um, I wonder what they're going to do moving forward with, um, Zavala, uh, Nolan North made comments. It, it just sucks that someone like that passes away unexpectedly, uh, especially at 60, very young. Um, but we'll see how things move forward. Suck. I don't know. A lot of my favorite games have him and I don't know how they're going to move forward without him. And the John Wick series will be, if, if it continues beyond four, it will be very different without him as well. Um, Speaking of actors being losing, and hopefully we don't lose him either, is Sam Neill. Uh, says he's currently in, in, in treatment for stage 3 blood cancer, uh, but he's just enjoying life as best he can and uh, is, is hoping for a full recovery. Uh, Tom Cruise, we l- recently learned, uh, was meeting with David Zaslav, head of Warner Brothers Discovery, Zaslav apparently was uh, talking about how great The Flash was, which prompted Tom Cruise to then ask for a private screening of the film, and he was uh, allowed to watch it at home, and he loved The Flash movie so much, he cold-called Andy Muschietti, the director, to tell him how much he loved the film. And if that's not high praise enough for what this movie will be, then I don't know what to tell anyone else who is doubting it. 
because Tom Cruise thinks it's a great movie and it's one of the best superhero movies he's ever seen, like uh, many other people have said as well. I I just I don't I don't know what to say about this movie anymore that that I I haven't already said. Uh, it looks like the Twister sequel is moving forward. Yes, Twister, the movie about tornadoes, as Daisy Edgar Jones has joined the film as the main star. Uh, Victoria Alonso, who is a was a major executive at Marvel Studios, has left the company. Um, she is the most longest running executive and producer at Marvel Studios. And per The Hollywood Reporter, she left last Friday. Um, She was the president of physical post-production and VFX and animation at Marvel Studios at the time of her exit. Um, But she started as executive vice president of visual effects and post-production back in 2006. So she was a producer on Iron Man and all the way up through current films. Uh, She's also executive produced all of the Disney Plus series for Marvel. Uh, but now it's coming out that she may have been fired. So via Variety um, was fired at the behest of Disney co-chair Alan Bergman. Uh, this report from Variety says that, uh, like I said, she's been with them since 2006. I guess it has to do with recent issues with Marvel's visual effects since they've been constantly in the news um, <laughs> as of late, it feels like. Um, that's uh, very interesting to see what happens. Um, but if she was fired, it, it might be due to the fact, again, that visual effects have been in the news and been uh, heavily criticized in all of those news articles. So, Shazam came out, and we're going to talk about it in a bit, and a lot of controversy has been coming out just a bit. Uh, Well, one of those controversies is the director himself, David F. Sandberg, has now said that he's done with superhero movies for now. Uh, On Twitter, he said, quote, On Rotten Tomatoes, I just got my lowest critic score and my highest audience score on the same film. I wasn't expecting a repeat of the first movie critically, but I was still a little surprised because I think it's a good film. Oh well, as I've been saying for a while now, I'm very eager to go back to horror as well as trying some new things. After six years of Shazam, I'm definitely done with superheroes for now, unquote. Uh, As of course right now, that has to do with the massive disparity on Rotten Tomatoes for Shazam Fury of the Gods, which it's rare to see a movie like this. Um... It's got a 52% critically and 87% audience, which is a, a big, big gap. Um, obviously, the, the audiences are liking it. Critics didn't. So I don't know what's going on there. I get that. He's like, what the fuck? How can critics, which is, which is the problem ever, which has been growing with critics lately, right? They seem a lot more out of touch with what, and not every film. But they, they've been lately been a little more out of touch on these big budget films um, than they have been as of late. Or lately, I mean, I'm saying they're getting more out of touch than what audiences like. Uh, I think too many times they either compare it to like Marvel 
to the, the the nth degree or like we treat every superhero movie like it has to be the best uh, I, I've seen this as, as criticisms from other people but it's just a fun movie and I'll get to my review in a bit but um, it sucks that it's pushed him away uh, Zachary Levi actually has then also followed up with a new story that's been making the rounds regarding The Rock and Black Adam. But, so, uh, in a story from The Wrap, there was a report that Dwayne The Rock Johnson uh, allegedly blocked a post credit scene in Black Adam that would have featured Zachary Levi as Shazam, obviously pushing for Henry Cavill and Superman. But, I guess uh, <laughs> The Rock's shenanigans with Black Adam may have doomed a lot of this Snyderverse and things like that. But this also report alleges that with Dwayne The Rock Johnson trying to put himself at the top, um, it may have uh caused them to maybe push more for James Gunn in a, a reboot of sorts. So Levi, Zachary Levi posted this story and then said the quote, the truth will set you free on his Instagram stories. But this alleged scene would have seen the Justice Society of America recruit Shazam, um, which would have tied into Fury of the Gods then. Uh, and that I'll I'll talk about the post credit scene this that was in Shazam, um, but instead, you know, The Rock pushed for Henry Cavill and Superman. Now, here's a weird and interesting thing. Um, and people are also saying because of what The Rock did, it killed both Shazam and Black Adam. So look, the Black Adam has always traditionally been. A villain or an antagonist to Shazam. Yes, there's instances of Black Adam and Superman fighting, but Black Adam is always tied to Shazam. Considering, you know, he says Shazam to turn into Black Adam, right? Th their powers are linked. They have similar outfits. Th there's, there's really no true explanation as to why... Um, he's been so anti-Shazam. It doesn't make sense because they're tied together. There, there would have been more, like, I saw someone posted, like, if you, have a, if you have a Black Adam Superman movie, it's just two super dudes punching each other and not a whole lot of fun. If, if The Rock would have just embraced Zachary Levi and Shazam, you could have a fun, like, play off each other with their comedic timing and jokes and things like that. And, and I get that, 100%. Um, it just, it, it, would his Black Adam fit in the Shazam world? Not as much, to be honest, man. Um, will Shazam move forward? Maybe. I kind of hope so. I, I like what they're doing. I like what they did in Fury of the Gods. Um, maybe David F. Sandberg won't be at the helm, but that that's okay. Um, not every superhero director does every film in the franchise, right? I mean... John Favreau didn't do all the Iron Mans. Some people argue that was its downfall. Uh, not everybody... I mean, James Gunn is one of the few exceptions where he's done every Guardians movie, right? Um, Ryan Coogler did both Black Panthers. So it doesn't always happen. It does, but it doesn't always. 
Um, but who knows what could have happened. Uh, let's move over to the other major franchise of Disney, though, and that is Star Wars. We're back to another Star Wars story. Uh, we learned within the last 24 hours that apparently David Lindelof and Justin Britt Gibson were writing a Star Wars movie, a secret one. I am not, I was not happy about learning that Damon Lindelof, I think I talked about this a while, there was a rumor. I don't like Damon Lindelof. I do and I don't. He, him and JJ are the worst when it comes to ending a story or filling in the gaps in a story. They're great for the idea, but for execution and, and finishing, they're the fucking absolute worst. Dog shit when it comes to endings with them. I, I loved Damon Lindelof when he did The Leftovers. I hated the ending. But then Damon Lindelof tried to do The Watchmen and that show. Fucking weird, man. Um, but they were apparently writing a Star Wars movie. This is via deadline. They have left the project. Um, but it's apparently supposed to be directed by Charmaine Obeid Chinoy, who I'm not familiar with. Uh, they apparently turned in the script, but left. Um, a lot of this stuff is supposed to be revealed at Celebration next month. Um, it's still on the, the table, I guess. Um, oh, yes, this was October we talked about. It, it was a standalone film. Um, I apparently it would lead, lead to more movies if it was successful. Uh, I don't know when it's supposed to take place. But now we've learned... There's a new writer in place just in time for Star Wars Celebration. Uh, this is, it is now being written by Steven Knight, the creator of Peaky Blinders. Um, he is going to be taking over. This is via Variety. So Charmaine Obeyed Chinoy will still direct. But now uh, Steven Knight will be writing the film. Uh, he's also written... Uh, Closed Circuit, Dirty Pretty Things, Eastern Promises, and The Girl in the Spider's Web. So he's good pedigree. Um, I'm just hoping he can fix whatever dog shit Damon Lindelof um, coughed up onto paper. Okay, so I looked up Charmaine Obeyed Chinoy. She's directed uh, quite a bit of... Uh, produced and directed quite a bit of, of documentaries. I'm talking since 2002. So like oh, over 20. Um, when it comes to directing f works of fiction, uh, some movie, some animated films called Three Bahadur, which are Pakistani films. Um, she has also directed a, another Pakistani film, uh, and then a couple episodes of Miss Marvel. So obviously she impressed Disney enough on Miss Marvel to uh, uh, get um, a Star Wars gig. I wonder what it will turn out to be, though. But yes, yeah, she's she's more known for documentaries than she is um, for fiction works of fiction, but. We'll see. Uh, I can't wait to learn more at Celebration next month. Um, just a few weeks away for that. 
So that is it for the main bulk of the nerd news on Nick's Nerd News this week. Uh, before I go, I do want to talk about Shazam. I did watch it this weekend. So if you guys stuck around, thank you. If you don't want to hear spoilers for Shazam, technically the episode's over, but I'm going to spend the next few minutes talking about Shazam and how I felt about it. So you guys can stick around. Otherwise, I'll catch you guys on the flip side. Otherwise, spoilers for Shazam are following. So, the film takes place several years after the first Shazam. Obviously, the Shazamily is uh, in full effect as as heroes in Philadelphia, um, known as uh, what what were they calling them? The Philly? Oh God, they're like they they suck at helping people. Essentially, the Philadelphia fiascos. That's fucking ridiculous because they like they just they they try to help but they end up fucking up it's like typical teenagers right um first off uh uh adam brody is having the time of his life being in a superhero movie i know he's a big nerd so it's fun to see him as a a, like a grown-up freddy um as uh uh, captain marvel jr technically is what what his name is um it goes from there helen mirren and uh lucy Liu steal the staff that was broken in the first one they're trying to get magic and their uh magic back to the gods essentially because it was stolen from them thousands of years ago but what plays out is a fun story right uh it all has to do with freddy gets taken um jack dylan grazer who is the kid has a really great like rapport uh with um with Joman Hounsou, who returns as the wizard, and like they're all their scenes together are fucking great. They're hilarious, um, and I I am very much enjoying their everything about these Shazam movies, and I I hope it continues because I know they're on record as saying it doesn't affect anything um, that that is coming forward in. Uh, in the new DC universe, right? So it works. But everything that happens, the the fights, the fights are great. All the actors seem like they're having a, a blast making the movie. Um, the the there's a lot of tie-in to Greek mythology, obviously, because they're fighting the daughters of Atlas, and that's who Lucy Liu and Rachel Zegler and Helen Mirren are playing. So it, it's a fun story that, that all plays out. Uh, ultimately, um, they, they, it ends in this big fight scene at, at Citizens Bank Park, which is the baseball stadium in Philadelphia. And Billy essentially has to sacrifice himself to save everyone. And, and that's great because it, this has been a great storyline and where he learns growth, right? He goes from being this, this kid who's unsure of himself in the first movie and feeling rejected and kind of like accepting his family and trying to be a leader for the team in this new one. Uh, we get a lot more of the Shazamily in this movie than we did in the first one, um, which is also very fun. And in in what is probably the greatest product placement in a movie uh, has to do with Skittles and unicorns. And you know what? Taste the rainbow, motherfucker. Because um, unicorns are apparently in this world... The unicorns are the most feared beast of all, and they they use them to fight. Like there's a manticore and a cyclops and a uh, harpies and 
um, minotaurs attacking the city. So the thing I like about the Shazam movies is they they build more off of myth and mythology and things like 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 that. Like in the first one was the De- Seven Deadly Sins. This one you have Greek mythology, which ties into the reason why Wonder Woman is in the movie. Um, it mostly towards the end of the film and teased throughout the film, but it, it makes sense. But uh, everything else is just great about the movie. I was laughing the whole fucking movie, and I want that. And it's like, how can you? How does this movie get a five, a fifty-two critic when it's it's literally just a fun and hilarious movie? Yes, the story is is strange in parts. Um, but like, ultimately it's fun. This is not like an Oscar winning movie. We should all know this. Um, but like I said, it's just fun. It's hilarious. There's a lot of cool cameos in it. Um, it literally ties into, um, Peacemaker and Black Adam and, uh, um, the Justice Society because Amelia Harcourt and John Economos, who are two characters, that were in Peacemaker, in The Suicide Squad, uh, show up to recruit him, Shazam, for the Justice Society. And there's really cool, fun jokes about um, what they should be called, and it's very confusing because he thought it was being recruited for the Justice League. There's even a, an after credit scene uh, that features the return of Mark Strong as Savannah, Dr. Savannah and Mr. Mind, which could potentially lead into a, a third, um, a third uh, uh, Shazam if they were to make one, and I liked that. I think that can play into hell. We, you know, uh, uh, James Gunn has already called his new DCU phase "Gods and Monsters," and there's a reason why, you know. Shazam is technically a god. This all plays into gods and monsters. That's the whole theme of the movie is related to gods and the idea of gods. So I don't see how he can't fit in to the new DCU. It, it literally makes the most sense for him to continue. Um, but we'll, we'll see. Oh, I just realized Zachary Levi's not as, like, fake jacked in this movie. And they changed the outfits a bit. Sorry, being distracted. But uh, overall, I like Shazam 2 more than the first one, actually. Um, it, I'm, I would give it a solid 8 out of 10. Uh, because, like I said, it, it's just a fun movie. It's got a lot of... Um, it's got a lot of cool callbacks to Greek mythology, which I like, which doesn't always get all the the play um in in comics like it does or in the comics it gets a lot of play in the movies it doesn't uh like that's one of the things i loved about shazam or thor love and thunder was you know uh uh, russell crowe as zeus and things like that so it's 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 fun and i am very excited and hopefully excited that we get to see more of Shazam um, in the new DCU moving forward because if not it would be a, a big big um, loss on their part to bring a fun character who's already established who doesn't 
allegedly, according to them, doesn't affect, um, doesn't affect, you know, their story. So I don't see why they can't continue using him, but we'll, we'll see. Uh, I would definitely go watch it. Like I said, it's fun. Solid eight out of 10. Um, it's, it's, it's definitely worth a watch. And, uh, if you guys liked the first one, you'll definitely like Fury of the Gods. But, uh, other than that, hopefully you guys have a good week. Uh, as always, don't forget to check out nixnernews.com. Follow us on social medias, you know, Nixner News. Uh, check out my TikTok, the Nick DeFalco. And, um, you know, other than that, I will catch you guys on the flip side. Thanks for listening week in, week out. That was episode 254. And, uh... Hopefully next week we'll have a review of John Wick Chapter 4. Catch you guys later.